Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns, and I am the creator and the host of the Is It Transphobic podcast. And today I'm being joined by... Hi, I'm Hilary Andreff. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm an occupational therapist by day, and I've been on the podcast once before. I'm excited to be back again. I'm J.R. Dawson, or Jen, I go by she, they. Um, I'm a fantasy writer. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So for those uh, listening, technology is weird in the time of COVID. So we're using Zoom right now, so the audio will be great. But at the same time, some things might happen because ghosts of technology don't always love us. So <laughs> and that's totally, I'm cursed. It's totally fine. <laughs> happy, happy to have your cursed self on the podcast again. So today's talk, we're going to talk a little bit about King of the Hill, just for a little background for people listening. I've wanted to do this specific episode, which is season 11, episode one, the first episode of the 11th season called Peggy Horror Picture Show for some time. And I've actually had people scheduled to be a part of recordings for this and unfortunately much like hillary was saying this episode might have been cursed (laughs) so we we finally found some folks who were able to come together and talk about this piece so the first question i want to know is first off have you either of you seen king of the hill or is this your first time and have you seen or do you remember this episode if you have seen it in the past all right, I'll go first. I have seen a pretty good chunk of Skin Hill. I, I'm still kind of shocked at how many seasons it ran, but I'd say I've seen a large, large portion. And I'm generally, especially Abby, but it's been such a long time, honestly, since I've seen like there's just a couple of seasons that I've watched more recently. So I actually not remember this episode, I have to admit. I had never seen King of the Hill. I actually actively avoided it growing up. (laughs) 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 I I was born in Omaha, Nebraska. I now live in Omaha, Nebraska. So gotta love it. But also like just being in the area, it just hit way too close to home. So I purposely didn't want to watch it growing up and so in prep for this, this was actually my very first episode. And then I watched one other episode to figure out, like, you know, what's going on. But mm-hmm. that's it. Out of curiosity, oh. did you watch the, the next episode in the season? Or did you watch a completely different episode outside of uh, this season? I watched... Uh, I watched Shins of the Father. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, so is that the one where they introduce Cotton or is that a different one? <laughs> it's Cotton comes to Bobby's birthday and uh, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that sounds, honestly, that sounds like every Cotton episode. Cotton shows up and it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good summary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So this episode, like, because I, I remember, I don't know that I've sit, sat down and just watched it straight through, 
but I used to watch King of the Hill every week when it was on. I loved it. It was that whole like ever since the first season when they were like from the creator of Beavis and Butthead and they definitely like leaned into <laughs> a lot of that in the beginning where it's like they always talked about Hank's narrow urethra. There's just like a lot of that like humor that immediately petered off by about season two, season three. And it's still there sometimes, but like they really started focusing a lot more on character. They started focusing a lot more on things happening. They started focusing a lot more on Texas as a culture, which as someone from Massachusetts initially and now living in New York, it's like, all right, I, I'm the least Texas person ever. But it, it was a fascinating window into a world of like, even like this idea of like, oh, well, you know, you're not from Texas. And it's like, well, yeah, I was born in Texas. Like, no, you like, I was born just outside of Texas, but I've lived in Texas my whole life. It's like, yeah, but you're not from Texas then. Like that felt very akin to like Maine and like, oh, you're not a Mainer. Like, <laughs> like you're from away. You're from, it's just like. So, so wait, this is interesting. We have Nebraska, Colorado, which does have a pretty high Texan population and Massachusetts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I interesting. I'm, yeah. Like I'm I'm curious, like if JR, if you wouldn't mind, like because I know Nebraska is not Texas. Like nothing is Texas but yeah. Texas. But like, uh -huh. especially growing up near Texas, like the things that you picked up from these two episodes, like did it feel like Texas like did it feel like that area growing up or was it like <laughs> I think that Texas is Texas, but there <laughs> there are definitely certain things that I recognized there's a thing here called Nebraska nice mm. which can be really insidious and especially to the queer community here mm. and and so I guess that I was seeing it I was seeing the similarities in there being a primarily white population primarily cis and straight and like these old sexist ideas the idea of tradition the <laughs> reminded me a lot of some of the older people in my family tree and and so like there's definitely this feeling of like okay yeah this is a smaller like this rural but because I live in Omaha it's not rural but like it's it's a more conservative like more quote traditional unquote culture mm. which looking at it queer lens and as a queer person living in that culture it's like it j and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about this later but like it just like struck a chord with me because I was like yeah I get the I get the jokes but also there's a bunch of us here who are scared like mm. like it's it, it hit uh, it hit a place that I actually was really I, I was really uncomfortable by this particular episode I guess. and maybe it's just when I watched and I guess I can touch on it now that this summer one of my close friends there egg crap they realize that, <laughs> that they're a woman that she's a woman and I love this person deeply and I've been helping them through this and then I sat down and watched this episode and it hurt like something like deep mm. inside like as somebody who's envy anybody who sees what they love go through the you know I live in a conservative state how am I gonna do this how am I gonna transition like am I gonna lose my job am I gonna lose relationships am I gonna get disowned and then watching Peggy freak out in that room in the dressing room mm. and make it all her like that for me I think struck me in a different place than it would have 
sitting here, sitting in 2007 with the context of 2007 and how progressive that episode, I'm guessing, was for 2007. If you look at what the other cartoons were doing and what other media was doing, you know, mm. what was it, uh, 13 years now? So yeah. I think that it's all, like when you look at any art piece, like what did it do for its time, especially when you're talking about marginalized groups, you know, what, what did that representation open the door for? But also, why is this representation maybe not the representation we need today? Yeah. No, like, and, and you're, you're hitting on a lot of, like, really big things that I think are absolutely what we should be talking about with this. Like, yes. Like, I, I know that that's not necessarily, like, a really productive sentence, but at the same time, <laughs> like, yes, no. Like, I... So for me, because watching this growing up, and again, like, I'm, I'm looking at this from someone who's in the Northeast and watching something for, with cultural contexts that I will never know not being from Texas and only visiting Texas occasionally. But so much of the media that I had consumed about trans people and about drag queens as well, it, it really rang as a very different episode than any of the ones that I had seen about things like not only like it flips like specifically, okay, we should probably talk about what this episode is for people that haven't sat down and watched yeah. it yet. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about yes. it. Yes. <laughs> right. Let, uh, let's, run, let's run through what happened. <laughs> yeah. Even was just like the major beats. Like, uh, Hillary, do you feel comfortable running through sort of like what this episode was? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And you, you all please fill in details. Mm -hmm. But the episode starts at a clothing swap with Peggy and some, and some of the neighbors and Luann's there too. And Peggy's just feeling very out of, out of touch and uncomfortable and, and feminine after that whole thing because, well, she, other, other episodes established that she has really big feet and thing fits and no one wants her clothes and all that stuff. So, and then she, Hank tries to treat her to a new pair of shoes. <laughs> but the shoe store that she usually gets them from is gone. So she finds a new store. <laughs> Which let me tell you, sorry to interrupt, but let me tell you, as someone who has had long, tall Sally just recently close, as someone who has had to deal with Avenue closing all of their physical locations, as someone who literally moved to New York City only to have the tall girl shop get bought out by long, tall Sally <laughs> and close its physical location. I felt, and I think that's the other reason I was so in on this episode is because I felt all of the beats that this cis woman is is having to deal with. It's like, there's only so many things that will fit me and now I can't even go to a physical location to pick them up. <laughs> it's like, whoo, but yeah, sorry, Hill. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Does someone want to take it from there? But... Now Bobby has a joke book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's, there's like a whole B plot about Bobby and his prank book. <laughs> the prank book that might give good luck, possibly, depending on how you define good luck. <laughs> Which a lot of a lot of that, that B plot did not thing. age well. <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Just like the 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 coup at gun club. Oh my. Yeah, the coup at the gun club um, was just like. Oh, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. <laughs> but yeah, ultimately, like oh. Peggy finds a new shop. The shop is called the Closet. She is in there. She sees shoes that fit her. She sees everything that fits her, and she meets this new person named Carolyn. And Carolyn is fantastic, and they immediately hit it off. They go out 
and have some food together. She teaches Carolyn this trick about biting a sandwich <laughs> yeah, to get the so that she, so that she doesn't uh, lose her lipstick. And my that was, favorite that was a, that was a moment that I liked. Yeah. I, like that's the thing. There's so many moments I really like. Yeah, I guess I did. Yeah. Like, Carolyn's amazing. I love Carolyn yeah. so much. <laughs> So they're, they're, you know, they're hitting it off. They're being like, they're really good. And again, because like, because we're going in with like a, where's the trick? Like, this is a, this is a common problem. Whenever I assign a piece of media for this podcast, <laughs> where's the trans person? <laughs> it's like, it's a game. And it's just like, it's very clearly going to be Carolyn, but they do something really interesting once they leave. And like Peggy is all about Carolyn being friends and like they're both friends and Carolyn gets into Carolyn's house and Carolyn's mom I love Carolyn's mom yes I really do like so one of the first things she says I'm trying to find it because like I I wrote a bunch of notes and a lot of them are just quotes like who usually I hear this not say oh fuck there there were some trans really like grossly transphobic jokes but we're not actually that okay i won't i won't flavor them yet but like i usually hear i usually hear this not say it nice grip said by peggy to carolyn (laughs) but i think i actually like these okay now i'm gonna flavor them because i think i actually really like these because as much as she is saying this to carolyn who we will find out is I am going to use the term a drag queen because that is the term that they use in the show. But Carolyn very much seems to live much of her life as Carolyn. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that in a sec, but just so that I can kind of like finish the flavoring of this moment of the strong handshake. It is Peggy also admitting that like, this is a characteristic that she, a cis woman, often gets told she has. And as much as it's still some shit, like there, there's a certain amount of like, there's an intriguing, there's something intriguing in there at the very least that I, that I was actually kind of digging as much as it's still like a very transphobic joke and I won't try and deny that it is. <laughs> oh, but Carolyn's mom first says, the first thing we hear, like Carolyn gets in, she's like, do not ever apologize for yourself, not now or ever. Love the new wig, it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. And just like everything about Carolyn's mom is just, I am so, like so over the top supportive. That it is. She's ready with the affirmation. <laughs> yes. Like, I, and I just, I dig that. Like, as much as it's absolutely just the other side of the coin of the, like, like, horrible transphobic shit to be said. I, you know what? Especially for the time, for everything, I'm here for this overly supportive mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I agree there. <laughs> So yeah, so we find out Carolyn is, is again, using the term drag queen, and a bunch of other shenanigans happen. We, Peggy <laughs> is going to perform with Carolyn. She's told, just bring your own eyelashes. I always do, is <laughs> what Peggy says. <laughs> yep. And then the entire thing is then Peggy finds out that Carolyn is, in fact, a drag queen, and that Carolyn thought Peggy was a drag queen, and so Peggy has an existential feminine fe- femininity crisis, I guess, and 
and the episode and that's the beginning of the third act of the episode is trying to get Peggy out of that hole and to reclaim her own reclaim her confidence and her femininity so let's let's talk about the time like we'll get to some specifics of the episode because I have a lot of specifics that I'm just like I really want to get into a bunch of these but let's talk about the time period because it was released in 2007 so there was not a lot of very good positive trans media out there. It existed, but you had to really look for it, and it was usually pretty tragic. But there was a lot of very positive drag, uh, a lot of very positive drag narratives out there. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And I think, I think that we run into a similar thing, and I realize that I'm talking a lot, so I'll, <laughs> I'll throw out something so that we can all respond. But like, I feel like this is very much like a, a Tu Wong Fu situation where it's a bunch of cis, mostly white American writers writing about queer culture without that understanding that there is a lot of, that there was a lot of overlap with the drag community and the trans community and ultimately, in a lot of ways, a lot of because of that and because a lot of people felt like, well, for such a long time, it was literally illegal to exist here as me. It doesn't really matter to try and delineate what is the difference between X and what is the difference between Y. So we're all, sure, we're all drag queens. Okay, sure. And I like, so for me, I, I don't hate that, but I just want to know, like, I just want to like throw that out into the ether so that we can just sort of talk about that as uh, a concept and as for this, like, because I think that's what they were going for is just like, uh, yeah, drag queens. Some of them live completely all the time. Yeah, that's really interesting because I didn't give them the benefit of that doubt. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I, I thought that, that they just didn't do their homework and it was one of those things that they're writing the other and not doing it well. Yeah. It, I, and I, I actually like talked to my, to one of my other friends who, who was a drag queen and I was like, okay, explain to me like how you feel about the, this episode and like, mm. you know, what am I missing? Am I missing something? And like, so they kind of went into like, you know the the history of everything and and I guess when I saw it I didn't see that history and I didn't see I didn't see the connection or the correlation I just saw like somebody had a movie once or had read a book once and then you know they're like oh I can write this we're gonna do this episode but good on them if they if they you know <laughs> were, were doing it correctly <laughs> I guess I just I didn't <laughs> think it was it was <laughs> well and, and to be fair a lot of this again like I I give to Wong Fu the benefit of the doubt for this because again like it's they still could have asked a trans person <laughs> they still could like there were a lot of people that were specifically trans folks and there were a lot of people that were that had a lot of very like a lot of trans folks had very specific feelings about the drag community as well so there was a lot of nuance that they could have gone for and that they could have sought out and did exist and that's always the the problem and the trap for that period but at the same time yeah for a long time this was sort of the the way that people interpreted the drag world but again, like, for the most part, Carolyn's living her life as Carolyn. Mm -hmm. But for plot contrivances, we also meet Carolyn's life living, presenting as male. Right. And so I wonder, like, what were your thoughts about seeing 
Carolyn presenting as, uh, and again, like because the piece presents them, I'm going to speak of them. They are the same person. Carolyn presenting as Jamie. I guess like it confused because I was like, wait a minute, but I thought you were Carolyn. And so that's when I started to think like, okay, do I, do I think that this is good, like good writing the other, or is this a mistake? I thought for me, the scene that I keep going back to is how Hank treats Jamie and Carolyn. Mm. Um, the first time I saw it, mm -hmm. because I'd never seen an episode before and had kind of avoided it, I just assumed that Hank was sort of like Peter from Family Guy or like a Randy <laughs> Marsh from from South Park or mm. Homer Simpson, and he was kind of just a dum dum and mm. just like that was the joke, you know. And, but then I started thinking about it, and I was like, Hank's not that dumb, like. <laughs> <laughs> especially after like seeing seeing him and dealing with like, sexism and stuff in the in the other episode that I watched and like reading up on the on the you know so I was like mm. well and so I wonder if Hank is structuring it and framing it in his head because that's the only way that he can or he had kind of transphobia or prejudice or like he, he's just not okay with it mm. and he does know or yeah. if Hank is doing it because he was introduced to Jamie and he's trying to be respectful like I I guess that for me the intent of writer is the intent of Hank at that mm. point it's, and it's really interesting you, you don't get much much idea into his reasoning or motives or behind doing that and the way he approaches it it's mm. all it's kind of left to the imagination yeah i think i think in like 2020 hank if we were writing hank hill this episode in 2020 the episode would end with him kind of like in some way acknowledging that he understands now and that it's like sure mm -hmm. like hey you know like i feel like i feel like really based on the way that the writers write in some way hank would say trans women are women but at the same time like there might be like some like thing going i don't know but it's hard to, it's hard to speculate 2020 hank hill but so <laughs> much but so much of it is like him upholding a lot of these gender norms about being a man specifically like like specifically you look at like suddenly Peggy is distraught and just emotionally crumbling and trying to reach out to her husband. And he's like, uh, don't you have girlfriends for this kind of talk? <laughs> what about that? That's, one of, the, <laughs> that's, that's one of the really tricky things I think about analyzing that show and that episode is, is they use a lot of norms and conventions in a lot of different ways to, most of the time subvert them sometimes more successfully than others so it can be kind of tricky to teach like exactly how well in this case transphobic they're being or not yeah <laughs> one of the, one of my favorite jamie moments is uh when jamie shows up and like he uh, jamie shows up in this like i because i remember exactly it was like the pt cruiser it was like that eggplant pt cruiser and <laughs> yes. he's like, like you know what yes. sure yeah so like just pulls up in front of the, uh, 
Hank and the friends <laughs> at, in front of the fence, the iconic beer drinking in front of the fence scene. And, and says like, oh, you know, I, I, I know Carolina. We're, we're friends. We're good friends. He's like, well, Jamie, would you like to stay and have a beer? It's like, right. <laughs> oh, what would you say? What would you say to a beer? It's like, I'd say, where have you been all morning? The guys, the guys laugh and they enjoy it. And they're just like, ah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to remember that one. It's just like, I, it's so weird because as much as there is so much about the identity and about like what is going on with the narrative itself, there really is a lot of like scared but positive. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like, and 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 one thing i found really interesting is you get you get jamie looking a little bit conflicted about taking in these in these norms mm-hmm. too it reminded me of uh, the mulan scene where she shows up as paying at the site for the prime <laughs> like, yes. he doesn't talk about me much uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was, it, I, I will say it was good to see a positive interaction like he was safe and he was okay and he got out of there okay mm. and like maybe it's just like the mind space that I'm currently in but like having that you know having that uncertainty as to like what the future is going to look like or like you know how people act to to certain people in our in like in Omaha's community mm-hmm. I was like oh crap what's gonna happen in this scene and then he just kind of like put the beer down and like, okay well I and they're like he's a nice guy and I'm like <laughs> oh thank yeah. god <laughs> yeah and I I wonder I don't know that the showrunners and that the the writers knew the fear because I like because I felt that too like you could tell like as much as there's a lot mm-hmm. of like trepidation from everyone because this person is new so the the regular gang don't know him and this guy is like or this this person we're just going to say because of again the way that they present the narrative that jamie is in this moment jamie and a man that like are they going to know are they going to do anything what's going to happen i don't know these people and i like i really i really felt that i really felt that fear and i it was nice to see because i think more than anything else, they didn't necessarily want to portray an unrealistic thing that can happen, but they did want to at least, like, acknowledge, hey, maybe, like, there is a theory, there is a fan theory. I'm going to throw a big thing at (laughs) y'all. There is a fan theory, and it was pretty much confirmed by Mike Judge, the the person that created it. Mike Judge? Yeah, Mike Judge, the creator that Hank Hill is supposed mm-hmm. to be Jesus. Hank Hill is an American Jesus. He is a human man who goes about his life trying to live a good existence and is constantly challenged for the things that he immediately believes and then learns for the better. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, and it, again, like, just, <laughs> Jay and Jay, Jay, you've just seen two episodes, so it's hard for you to talk yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> but the more you go in, even if it's just that like 
base level understanding. It's it's really interesting, like how all the people around them are literally like, even if they're going down a bad path, they figure it out. They're they're taught something. They are confronted by the things that they have to deal with, and then even if it's not perfect, even if it's a little messy, they still move in the right direction. And I I just I, like I feel like that moment, those moments, the moments of like where it could be bad and things could go in a really horrible direction make sense from that lens. I will say that like, cause I, back in 2007, I was, I was a really big South Park fan. <laughs> like mm. that was where my, <laughs> my camp was. And I will say that you can tell that the hell has a heart where a lot of these other shows that were on at the time that are kind of from that generation really don't. Like, I think that South Park tried times, but I do think that King of the Helm means well. Yeah. Especially seeing the other work these creators done. I think that they are good people and that they are trying to say something and that that will more appropriate in 2007 than 2020. Like, uh, I think that sometimes it's a little centrist and and the world's changed a lot. But, like... Okay, like uh, one thing that that I saw, and I don't want to talk about the Cotton episode more than the episode we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> but the the last shot of, of the ends of the Father episode, where you know Hank is talking to Bobby, and he's like, "Women were not put on this earth to serve us." And then it, it's a pan back, and you see all of the waitresses at the at the drive-in, you know, soda shop, who is serving all of these guys in this car. Like, I think that the meaning behind this isn't necessarily, you know, oh, JK, yes, they are. Like, I think it was, I think we have a long way to go. Yeah, yeah so, look at what we have to be unexamined, I think. I also find it so fascinating because, like, her friends are, there's this moment where she's, where Peggy is distraught outside, like, distraught, blanket over herself, and her friends are outside trying to make her feel better. And one of the things that she gets told is, like, a Luann, who I love, who I, I just, I love Luann. <laughs> Sorry, everybody thinks you're a man, Aunt Peggy. You know how everybody is. And then her good friend says, Shug, you coach a women's softball league. If that's, if that isn't feminine, I don't know what is. And they're <laughs> genuinely, like, that's the thing. They're genuinely trying to be helpful. But they're also showing a bunch of things, like, that are just, like, Oh yeah, there's like a whole bunch of like other coded things that they're trying to that the the writers are trying to show us as like this is like yes, it is like it still is feminine at the same time like mm, it's not red as feminine. Like Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> I think I will... that, yeah, I, I oh, so go ahead. No, 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 go right ahead. I I, I, I have a tendency to steamroll, so I'm like, nope, nope. If you, if you got something to say, say it. <laughs> no, I, I, I really appreciated that they did show Peggy as being, what's the word I'm looking for, not authentic, but she, she, she has legitimacy in womanhood. And that's one thing that we talk about as women a lot is like, you know, what is feminine, what is not feminine, you know, what is a woman should do the thing that woman shouldn't do and it's like well if you're a woman and you're doing it then that's a thing that a woman does huh you know <laughs> so mm -hmm. I, I thought that, that that was really interesting and it wasn't that Peggy had to change 
or that Peggy had to conform or anything. I or that, that any, cool. yeah, or that anyone really had to change or conform. Yeah, and also that Hank throughout the entire thing, like, again, this was another example. Like, if Peggy just goes, "Do you think I'm not feminine?" and Fe Hank just goes, "You're a wife and a mother," <laughs> just like, "Yeah, I'm those things." <laughs> just like, there's just something about the naivete of not only the naivete of Hank, but also the like. I am not in any way questioning you or your femininity or your womanhood because you are my wife, which is still very fucked up in a lot of ways, but at the same time is like, okay, yeah. like, yeah, like, there's, there's definitely stuff to unpack, but, huh. <laughs> now, whenever you're ready, let's talk about that ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that really goes along with the ending and that it's another, it's another one of those moments that offers those same sorts of questions those very same clothes that that Peggy you know that Peggy's neighbors didn't want ended up going ex extremely fast backstage at the show mm -hmm. Carolyn and her friends and right right previously to that they they explained how they they look up to Peggy because and they strive really strong so kind of suggests in a way that you know, not only is a woman, but there's kind of a strength there. Yeah, one of, I forget if it's Carolyn or another drag queen, but they say, oh, these wispy women, they're a dime a dozen. Like, to find a real, a real woman, like, it, it was just like, yeah, like, hell yeah. Like, not to say that, hey, you know, like, I, I like high femme folks. I, every now yes. and again, I feel like a high femme f person, but at the same time, it's just like, Hell yeah. Like Yeah. I would I mean I would say it was a pretty validating validating ending mm. in terms of femininity and what it what it is. Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. I was just worried about Carolyn's feelings. Like <laughs> just Yeah. Like, I know B's one of the protagonists, so she's gonna be the center of the story. But mm -hmm. I was like Peggy, you were super rude to Carolyn. Can we go back and unpack that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't. And that, I think that is one of the, that is one of the, the major failings is that that's like never addressed at all, really. Like, and you do you worry about the burden on Carolyn and like all of Carolyn's circle and friends because I know I know I was thinking like oh how many of them have been through that how many times or something mm. like that. Well, and I also wonder, because if we're, if, like, so, and this is where we sort of run into this if-then problem. If Carolyn is a drag queen, honestly, then a lot of Peggy's explosion is, like, if, if Carolyn is Jamie and performs as Carolyn, then a lot of this explosion is very much exactly what they wrote. And it's honestly, like, yeah, Peggy was kind of shitty, but at the same time, like, yeah, but that, yeah, but but that's not really Carolyn. But if we do look at this as a trans narrative, which again, because of the mother, because of a lot of other things that go on, because Carolyn, for the most part, presents yes. as Carolyn the entire time, except when for survival, for discussion, for a lot of various things, presents as Jamie for survival, then yes, Peggy is a trash person and needs to really apologize. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And that's that's the one major failing and probably the one way in which it could potentially not be validating at all. Mm -hmm. 
Because I will admit, I did also love, hold on. Da, 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 da. Sorry, no, hold on. Where is it? Ah, stupid notes. Why can't you just show up where I need you? Oh, Peggy, during the explosion in the back room, says, you thought I was a man? <laughs> and then Carolyn says, I mean, I'd take, I'd take my wig off, but we're so close to, I'd take my wig off and show you, but we're so close to showtime that I can't. And I love that because like you expect take the wig off because A, we did see that dramatic reveal earlier when Carolyn was talking to Carolyn's mm -hmm. mother, but it wasn't a dramatic reveal to anyone but the audience. And so it was just kind of nice that as much as there was that like added caveat that was very funny, the like, it was just so close to showtime, I can't possibly do that. But they always do that. Like we just did Tootsie on this season and that's the big thing, takes off the wig, oh! And there wasn't a physical dramatic reveal. Carolyn stayed Carolyn. And it was shitty, but it was still like that tiny bit was kind of nice. <laughs> I think that, again, I haven't watched very much, but I think that like from what I've read, like that's kind of one of their shticks is that they take what you think is going to happen and, and they do something, you know, call it out. One of the examples that I saw like a clip of was Bobby is like, dad, why can't you just let me be me and you're always trying to turn me into you and he goes yeah we both saw that after school special this special but i'm not an alcoholic and you're not a figure skater so we're going home god see that like this is why i love this show honestly <laughs> it's like i yeah it's problematic but boy do i love it speaking of problematic but boy do i love it I can't deny I laughed heartily when Peggy is being confronted by the fact that she's just realizing everybody like, that Carolyn thought that she was a man and then her friends show up backstage to support her like everyone is being supportive everyone is being incredibly supportive throughout this episode and Peggy tries to run into the bathroom so that she can get away from everybody and it's an all-gender bathroom. <laughs> And so she just runs yep. away from the bathroom. I was like, like, okay, I shouldn't be laughing at this, but I am laughing at that. That was funny. <laughs> oh. But yeah. The, <laughs> the, other, the other thing that just like broke me was Hank saying, well, she had to get something for her costume. She called it a sequin emergency. I asked her to call it something else and she refused. And it was just like, <laughs> so Hank. Oh, Peggy. Peggy goes all in. Oh, yeah. Oh. What were, were, were there any other moments that stood out to you that we haven't talked about yet that just feel like either like we, we really got to talk about it before we start wrapping up? Is there anything else that's just like about like the, the larger episode that either we're, we're looking at with new eyes or we're looking at with like, no, we, we really need to speak about? <laughs> I think that one reason why I didn't want to do a lot of research on the television show or like the pilot beforehand or like look up top 10 as I was kind of thinking about like in 2007 we didn't really have a streaming service where mm. like now, now is when you go on Netflix and you want to watch something you start at episode one and you work your way through and the narrative is put that way like the audience itself like it, you can assume they're going to see all of it. Mm. yeah in 2007 like you would turn on the tv and 
whatever episode you got was your first episode. So I kind of wanted to see this as like my first episode without understanding who the intended audience was or like what what these characters have done before they do after. Because I think that for me, I wanted to see if this is the only if this is the only piece of art that I see from this series, like how does it stand on its own? Hmm. And for me, like I saw a lot of anxiety and a lot of niceness when it came to marginalized characters where they were tolerated but not under accepted. And so that just because that's such a real thing really hit hard. But I do think that there were good intentions. And I do think that if this, if these showrunners came back 2020 and did some kind of a reboot, it, it would be treated differently and it would be progressive for 2020. Like, I think that part is in the right place and they are, they, they are putting forward a depiction that we didn't really have at the time. Yeah, I I tend to feel strongly that based on the creators and based on a lot of the other artists involved in the show, they probably would in 2020, again, if they were doing the show now, they probably would have had a trans person in the room, uh, even if it was just as a consultant. And it would have been like a very, it would have been a very different episode. But at the same time, yeah, like I, because I, I agree. I think that there's there's a lot in there that is just missing and part of that is because yeah there's there's a lot of reasons that go into why it's missing but but at the same time the heart the heart is there and another another phrase that we've been saying a lot this season is intention does not excuse impact (laughs) but at the same time i really think that the intention was a good intention and yeah yeah the the other thing I, I want to talk about is <laughs> there's just one line. I just want to state this line. Peggy, this is before Peggy knows Carolyn. Pe- this is before Peggy knows everything about Carolyn, just has just met her and says like, oh, she's like, she's so different. She wears gloves <laughs> or like, she's so interesting. She wears gloves. And Hank just goes, gloves, that is interesting. It's just like, 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 Aww, it's so okay. sweet. Like, like that's the thing. It's just like everything that they do is like that. Like, objectively, that is not interesting, but that is interesting to Hank. It's just like, oh, but not bad interesting. It's just like, oh, she is an intriguing person. She wears gloves, <laughs> and I think that's like, oh, oh Hank, you're so sweet and naive. Oh. <laughs> And I think that's where Hank really differs from like the Homer or the he's yep. he does things that a lot of people would immediately like if you just describe the action, you describe the reaction, someone would say, Oh, that's like that's stupid, that's idiocy, that's like like that's something Homer might do, that's something Peter Griffin might do. But like when you actually look at the nuance of like why he's doing it and then what he learns in the end, it's very like there are so much there's so much more like layered misogyny that he's working through and so much more layered like homophobia that he's trying to figure out and like 
yeah like, he's working through it like yeah and i don't think that peter ever worked through it i don't think that randy ever <laughs> held the tab like he mm -hmm. he is he's the a family man in one of these cartoons that like actually is trying to process what he has been conditioned to believe which is really cool to see yeah cool definitely one of the major draws to the show generally speaking yeah all right so let's start wrapping up let's ask the questions that i always ask at the end of the podcast uh, the questions are is it transphobic and was it enjoyable i'm gonna go with i always flip i always change them so i'm gonna start with what do i think would be an interesting one to go with? let's start with is it transphobic because i think that will influence whether it's enjoyable so king of the hill season 11 episode one peggy horror picture show is it transphobic now, while, while we're thinking of that, because I, I know my, my other commentators are thinking about this right now, this can be an answer of yes or no. It can be a scale of one to 10, one being not transphobic, 10 being the most transphobic. It can be a noise, however you want to express that. Is it transphobic? I can also start <laughs> if you would like for me to go first. I'm just kind of holding my breath as I come as a reaction <laughs> because there, there are definitely, there are definitely some problems, but at the same time you get that classic King of the Hill, like working through, this is more nuanced than we expect. So I think maybe just a general like sucking in of air. <laughs> yeah. Respect. I, I would probably make like a, uh, on that. I mean like, yes. And I think, that this came out today yes but i think that it's kind of i mean like if you think about the title it's peggy horror picture show which goes rocky horror show rocky horror picture show a lot of baby queers think that that is super like super transphobic piece of work but at the time no it was very freeing and very liberating for the queer community so i think that <laughs> that we are constantly evolving as a sure I think 2007 was it transphobic ah! 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 <laughs> so we've got a sucking in of air we've got a ah! yeah <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna add to the sucking in of air and ah! with a ah! <laughs> yeah <laughs> like because I, I feel like, yes, very much like what you were saying, it, 2007, not really, but at the same time, again, trans people existed in 2007. At the same mm -hmm. time, a lot of these conversations were happening in queer spaces, in trans spaces and drag spaces about like, how, like, is the, like, A, these, even just the, the broad discussion of, quote unquote, is there a difference between drag and trans, which Generally speaking, yes, but there are a lot of trans folk who found themselves through drag. There are a lot of drag queens who later come out as trans. There's a lot of this happening that is a nuance, I think, a bunch of cis, well-intentioned writers at that time were not, did not, I'm not going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they did not know where to look, but I will say they probably didn't know where to look. They should have found it and looked harder, but like, yeah, like, 
All right, I'm I'm with it. This this is the this is the Chu Wong Fu defense. That's what I'm gonna call this from now on. Because that was the first time we brought this up, this idea of like, you know, I think it was just a bunch of cis people saying, I know drag queens, and accidentally writing a really good trans story. But there are a bunch of like, also a bunch of like transphobic jokes. There are a bunch of uh, transphobic things. And again, like very much if we are looking at this as a trans uh, story, which we can't say for sure that we are or aren't, there's a lot of shit that goes on that doesn't really get addressed from Peggy. So yeah, it's trans. It gets, it, it becomes a lot darker if you get from that lens a lot. Yeah. So ultimately yeah but like but let's go to the wasn't enjoyable because that always that always adds a little bit of a, a layer to that so wasn't enjoyable again yes no one to ten sounds like sucking of air or <laughs> <laughs> i think that like at least for me personally about the, the idea that like the way that you as an audience member response to art has to do with what's going on in real life. I think that if I had seen this, I don't know, if I'd seen it in 2007, I don't think it would have hit the same way. I think that me looking at it through the lens of this particular summer, it, it was, it was like really scary and anxiety and thing. So I think that, I mean, for me, at least that brings up a question of, not a question of like an idea of an art is different for each person and the way that each audience member sees it, it's going to be a different piece of art. So me personally, like no, I didn't, but I can see that it could be to somebody like to somebody who isn't me, like to a lot of people who isn't me, <laughs> or it could be, you know, maybe in 10 years, it'll be a lot more funnier <laughs> to me. That's that's very fair. There's a lot that that's not addressed. And I mean, that really can influence like how the jokes land, which I mean, some of the overarching traits and things they do with the characters and the jokes are really the best part of the series. And honest, what's been going on now, it makes it harder to accept. I, I, I will happily descend from my panel and say I loved it. <laughs> At the same time, you know, like, yeah, respect. There, it, in a lot of ways, I loved it in spite of itself. And I had to kind of jump through a bunch of hoops to get to the way that I mm -hmm. like it. And regular listeners of the podcast will know I like a lot of bad shit. So... <laughs> I yeah I I, mean, I will yeah. admit I, mean, I will yeah. admit it oh, was okay. I will admit it was still funny but I it was gilded and anxiety and <laughs> but yeah so for me yes it was enjoyable look it up before you consume it definitely listen to the concerns and issues brought up by my co-commentators today before you necessarily sit down and say like yeah I'm gonna watch it but like I really do from a historical standpoint think it is a very good piece of media to show that sort of like movement from a lot of poor portrayals into a good portrayal but i can't really say it's a great portrayal but there's some good shit <laughs> <laughs> cool yeah i i mostly watched it 
just very interested in that whole relationship between drag and the trans communities. That was, that was, and you're right. That was a big question at the time. Yeah. Like, and, and there's a lot of other, honestly, like we really need to do an entire episode just on drag. We've been thinking about it. We've been thinking about doing episodes on RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, cause RuPaul also, mm-hmm. it's so fascinating because this whole episode just reminds me of the, the spinoff show that they did off of Drag Race called Drag You, where they took cis women and made them into drag queens, both in essence as well as in costume. And in order to help find femininity that they felt that they've lost and mm-hmm. sort of like this episode yeah no exactly oh it's God. just like it's so fascinating like i wonder if literally rupaul ripped off king of the hill <laughs> <laughs> calling you out rue <laughs> you will rue the day there it is last recording nice pun okay <laughs> So awesome. Tell people how to find you on the internet if you want them to find you. It's totally acceptable to say, I don't want you to find me. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the, the best outlet where I'll actually be able to like answer questions efficiently if there are any. <laughs> They don't have to necessarily reach out to you. It can literally be like if you're if you're promoting something that you do, something that you're like if there's a website that you write for, or if it's like, hey, I just nah, I'm cool. Listen to me on is it transphobic sometimes? <laughs> That's fine too. Very much do that. And hope you've enjoyed listening to me. I also write for RPG fan, so look them up if you are into RPG video games in any fashion going for a long time (laughs) so what's great is people aren't going to see this but there was a thumbs up that popped up behind hillary but also (laughs) he was like rpg (laughs) so i think you just got i think you just got a reader a listener uh, (laughs) oh excellent (laughs) um you can find me at jaredawsonwriter.com and i'm also on Instagram at Jared Dossier, even though that was mostly just my dogs. And so if you like gigantic, awkward poodle puppies, <laughs> head on over to Instagram. And my Twitter is at J underscore R Dawson. <laughs> awesome. That one has less poodle puppies. Fewer <laughs> poodle puppies. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lucretia Deerfor, L-U-C-R-E-T-I-A-D-E-A-R, and then the number four. You can also find the Is It Transphobic podcast on Twitter at Is It Transphobic. We're, we finally got an Instagram. I'm going to stop being excited about that, Yay! sir. But we did it. No, don't. <laughs> and that's don't at, stop excited. And that's Next, at, Snapchat and the TikToks. Oh, God, don't give them ideas. They'll tell me <laughs> I need to make one. <laughs> oh, podcast. <laughs> podcasts all have tiktoks ashley don't you like ah fine <laughs> as soon as i hear that three years later i'll make one anyway uh <laughs> you can find our instagram at is it transphobic you can also go to insta his insta transphobic is it transphobic.com i've been saying this so much <laughs> is it transphobic.com for past episodes as well as to buy merch we've got t-shirts we've got hoodies we've got mugs we're looking at maybe making socks do you want socks i'll make socks i don't care i just click a button it's red bubble but <laughs> you want a shower curtain tell me you want a shower curtain it'll be very expensive <laughs> but you can get an is it transphobic shower curtain so when you get clean 
you'll know you went to transphobia away. All right, I'm stopping this. This is a bad train. So, finally, join our Patreon. It's still much better than Instatransphobic. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash isatransphobic for $1 a month or more. You will get these episodes one week before we air them publicly. We'll also give you access to uh, mini episode interviews with a bunch of really interesting, awesome folks who are writers, who are creators, who are doing really cool stuff with gender. You will get that one month prior to public release. So there's a lot of reasons to join or just tell me what you want. I, I, I will desperately... <laughs> ask you what you want so that I can provide it for you. But thank you so much for listening. JR, Hillary, thank you so much for joining me in talking King of the Hill today. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad you finally got to make the episode. Me too. We broke the curse, y'all. <laughs> Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.